0: You're listening to the Tony Stewart Podcast, where Tony interviews financial literacy advocates who are changing the conversation on money so you can catch up on the latest trends and ideas in the world of financial literacy and education.
1: Welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined today by Marilyn Lydia Pinto. Marilyn is a rebel educator, author, and founder of KFI Global. In this episode, we'll be discussing teaching our teens about money and Marilyn's book, Smarter, Richer, and Braver. Marilyn, welcome to the Tony Stewart podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I'm so happy to
1: be on here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Um, So as we get started, um, you know, tell us a little bit about your origin story. How did you get started in financial education?
0: Okay, so I think I got started when my, uh, when I was looking to enroll my kids for a program so I didn't start this as a business it's not like I had intended to start a financial education company. I was just looking for a program to enroll my daughters in because they, they were eight and 10 at the time and while I thought they were well, academically quite smart. Uh, when it came to street smarts, when it came to money, they were absolutely clueless. And I thought, well, okay, fair enough. They don't learn this in school, so maybe let's just put them for, for a program where someone can teach them. And every program I, I looked up uh, sort of fell short. I was exacting in my standards, and so I thought everything, every program really, really came, really came up way short. You know, they were just talking about having three jars to save and you know save, share things like that. And I thought, well that's not really going to cut it especially for kids who are you know in um, middle school uh, and i just thought we needed a more exciting way to teach kids about money um, that's when i thought well how hard could it be so i got um, i got trained <laughs> i i did a lot of research a lot of, a lot of reading and i thought well i can teach these kids myself and then that door slammed pretty hard in my face because I realized that kids don't really listen to their parents. Um, And uh, and it was very hard to get them to pay attention to what I had, you know, and I tell them so many things in the day, actually sitting down and then having a discussion or telling them about money just seemed like another one of the hundred things that mom tells us to do. So understandably, they weren't very happy, weren't very excited and didn't really pay much attention. But I did notice that when I started the company and when I enrolled them for a program with some of my other teachers, they really got the essence of what we were trying to tell them. They would come home and tell me, mom, you have no idea what we learned today. Did you know this? And you know, I'm so surprised to find this out. And I was like, hang on a second. I told you the same thing and you guys had no reaction at all, but this comes from somebody else and suddenly it's, you know, it's so, but I've I've learned over time not to take that personally. Parents, uh, we have suffered from proximity bias. I think we're too close to our kids for them to realize the kind of value that we have. So it's actually okay uh, for them to learn about these things from someone else. It actually works better that way. Uh, And then, so it took off from there. I realized that my kids weren't the only kids suffering from, uh, you know, having this issue. And I thought, okay, maybe this is something I can do to help here. I can do to help the other parents who would like to teach their kids about this. And that really is how KFI got started.
1: That's amazing. And, you know, I have a teenager, so I'm just thinking about, you know, how open my team is to some of these things. (laughs) Um, So I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I I think that's important, too, um, for kids to be exposed to different viewpoints and uh you know and just hearing from your parent is yeah you know, maybe helpful may not be helpful but it, it it's good to get different perspectives so that they can start to make their own decisions uh, so I, I think you, it's
0: more than different perspectives, uh, Tony. If I can just sorry uh, interrupt here, uh, a lot of people of try to say that okay, you know, your parents should teach you about money, but you have to understand that most parents we aren't trained in this ourselves. You know that we, we we never had a, uh, the, the benefit of a financial education, and uh, so we are not sure. Are we covering everything? Are we covering it properly? Are we do do we have our own money biases that we are passing on to our kids, which is true in many cases? So I I, I don't think that parents are really the best way and I might be sounding controversial here but I don't think parents are the best people to teach their kids about money for many reasons like one of them being the proximity bias, and your kids aren't really going to absorb everything you're saying in the best way they can and two we aren't trained, you know, we we really aren't trained uh, in, in giving this to them. And if this was a skill like maybe teaching your kids how to bake or, you know, that's fine. You, there's no big downside to that. But financial literacy, there is a big downside to it. This. this isn't a skill you want to say, well, I'll take my chances and see if they're okay with it if I teach them. This is something you want to be 100% sure that your kids get, on the, get right on the first try. And that's why I, I've I've come to believe that I think leaving this to uh, trained experts is is really the best way to go about it.
1: I I would agree completely with that. And I think you said something that really resonates is parents aren't trained in this either. And oftentimes parents struggle with their own money issues. And it's complex. It's just like we wouldn't teach our kids physics or some of the things they learn at school, so- or to
0: drive, for that matter, we wouldn't teach our own kids to drive because even though we might consider ourselves good drivers, we don't always, you know, do a shoulder check. We don't do all the checks, and so I think that that's one of the main reasons why we should really leave this to an expert. This shouldn't be thought of as just another skill that we can sort of talk to them a couple of times and hope that they, you know, sort of excel at. This is too important for that, and I just want parents everywhere to realize that. Uh, you know, I think money is so intricately entwined in every aspect of, uh, of our lives that we can't afford to just give it a passing thought. We, it needs, uh, it, it requires our, our full attention. Uh, and I think the skill is something that we need to think long and hard about.
1: 100%. And I think you also said something very important earlier too, is about the three jars and, you know, that there are so many basic programs out there um, for students, which is great. And uh, it's a great start for people, but it is just that it's a start because our lives have so many more complex financial transactions that we're dealing with that that you have to go beyond that. It's just like if you taught them just addition and left it at that for math is that's great. (laughs) people need to know addition but it's not the whole math conversation.
0: I think that's a great analogy and you're absolutely right also as kids grow up you know as they become teenagers if that's what we're specializing in teaching this to teenagers you need to complexify it you, you need to give them nuance and context otherwise it's just it's so one-dimensional that it gets really boring for them right I think we we we, um, we sell our teens short when we say you know we give them sort of simplify oversimplified um, sort of concepts to to, to digest they're capable of understanding, uh, you know, so much more. And I think when we add that level of complexity and that nuance and that context, it really makes things interesting for them because now they begin to grapple with, oh, so this is why everyone's struggling with this. You know, it might seem simple, as I say, it's simple, but it's not easy. And giving them that that complexity and nuance uh, really drives a message home for them.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. And I think people do underestimate what kids can absorb, what kids can understand, what kids can process. And, you know, and that's a quick way to get your kid to tune out is by, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the right words, but, you know, being very surface level with them about a topic and not really challenging them on it and treating them respectfully. It's just like if somebody's talking to us about a subject and they talk down to us, uh, we, we wouldn't accept it. Um, you know one of the things that I find really uh, inspiring about what your work is is about talking about confidence. Uh, so why is it important for teens to gain the understanding and confidence to make intelligent financial decisions?
0: Well, we don't specifically work on confidence. It's, it's not like I have like okay, this class is going to be about building up your confidence because I really believe mm-hmm. that with with, with youngsters. Um, confidence comes as a result of competence. And what we focus on is building up the competence in a particular subject. And once they understand like, hey, I'm, I I get this, I understand it, I can make these decisions. Once they begin to realize their competence in a subject, I think the confidence kind of comes automatically. It's not something you need to separately work on. Uh, and I've, I've noticed this with the kids, you know, they come in and as soon as they, you know, after a couple of sessions, they're because of their competence, there's, there's, there's a complementary rise in their confidence as well. And that's really wonderful to see uh, in a teenager. Uh, But as I say, it is a result of building up their competence. We don't specifically work on, on their confidence, like, oh, let's, let's do positive affirmations or stuff. I mean, I'm sure all of that has its value, but what we work on is really, um, you know, sort of brass tacks. So get good at what you, at at this skill, get good at understanding it, get good at, uh, get good at explaining it very simply to somebody. And then you understand better yourself and you build up your confidence in that as a result of having that deep level of competence. I, I hope that makes sense in some level.
1: Oh, uh, no, no, that, that that makes perfect sense. And I, I, I think that's something that people should really take to heart is that confidence will give you confidence. And uh, it's interesting is, um, I, I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but I was watching a video uh, about this basketball player, Larry Bird, um, was an all time basketball legend in the United States. And another player was talking about him and about sometimes he would seem overly confident on a court and they go, but it's not really arrogance when you can back it up, when you are, you have the skill set, when you're that smart and educated about what you're doing. And, you know, that just really resonated with me and I connected it with what you were saying is that, yeah, you know, is he could exude that confidence, which some people found a little bit arrogant.
0: It's not false bravado at this, at this point, once you're building up your competence, it's not false bravado anymore. It's actually a confidence that's born out of being really good at or or gaining mastery, or at least understanding something really deeply.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's not false bravado at the point where you're able to execute on it and understand it. So that's, that's such a fantastic point, so you know let's let's talk a little bit about your book is um you know it, it's always interesting to me, especially as an author, you know it's about why somebody writes a book, so please tell us about why you wrote Smarter, Richer Braver.
0: Okay, so I know most people say I wrote it to give value to everybody. I think I'm slightly different. I wrote it to get um, to clarify my thinking. I I wrote it, I had so much stuff in my head, but I, it's not until you write things down, uh, you know, you sort of, uh, it becomes more structured, it, it, uh, you, you. I think you understand a problem so much deeply when you start writing about it. And that's what I started doing. I started writing for myself just to get just to get clarity on what I was doing and how we were doing it and actually sort of codifying the different techniques we were doing. Because I saw that we were making a difference. I saw that the impact that we were having was immediate. I saw that it was long lasting, but we never really thought about what is it that we're doing what, what kind of structure are, are we using if we were kind of just so sitting down and writing it down actually helped me helped me personally um I, and I, I really i have to say i did it for myself to just sort of get a get a better understanding of what we were doing here you know sort of putting all the research down uh reading up about it then seeing how it works in practice and then writing about it it really helped me and I think as a result of that, it's kind of helpful to parents as well, because, uh, you know, now someone else has done the hard work, you you don't have to do that, you just get the ready made results and you can sort of take lessons off that and that's what I'm hoping the book uh, will do, Uh, because another thing that I noticed and that's what the book's about primarily is if you don't understand a problem properly, we are going to just be throwing half big solutions at it, and if not making it worse, at least definitely not making any better. Um, and I have seen enough of that with you know sort of um, half hearted attempts at sort of having classes for kids or teaching them a, a couple of things that didn't really have any long term impact. So I really delve deep into why, you know, why is this problem there it's it's not rocket science personal finance isn't rocket science right i mean we're able to send men to the moon we have you know um, robotic surgery we have uh, uh, you know vehicles that are driven by electricity uh, we've split the atom we've cracked the gen- the genetic code at least for humans but we can't seem to teach our kids about money there has to be something drastically you know sort of weird about that and uh, the more I delved into it it made me understand like okay these are the reasons this is why parents can't do it right this is why schools can't do it and actually writing it down and and putting it into a a structured format helped me helped me so much and um, so the book was kind of a culmination of, of, of all of these things I didn't I didn't set out writing a book I used to just write blogs to just get it out of my head and just clarify my thinking.
1: Well, that's funny. That's sort of how I wrote my first book as well. It's really? just, it, it was a compilation of things I had written, thoughts I had, um, you know, one of the things that you talk about is the reasons why, and I always find that intriguing because I, I, I believe that there is that psychological component to money that's mm-hmm. often overlooked that's is, you know, can you share with us one or two of the reasons why you feel that parents aren't successful? And we're not successful so, teaching so financial literacy. one of the main reasons
0: is I think um, tunnel vision. Uh, you know, we're so focused on our kids getting good grades because that is how society sort of uh, evaluates our kids right now. It's all about their SAT grades and things like that. That our focus is so purely academic that this really falls outside of that tunnel, and and that is a really key. Uh, and and that I feel is 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 a really key point uh, because. As it is, we are overloaded with so much of stuff we have to do. So we develop tunnel vision and our kids need to do well in school, but we're so focused on, on whatever's within that tunnel, we fail to see things that are outside the tunnel. And unfortunately, whatever is important but not urgent falls outside that it's we know it's important in some every parent is going to say well yes my kid needs to learn about money it's it's important but none of us feel that urgency we say oh there's time you know let them just finish with this grade and then I'm sure they'll be but there's never a good time to do that and and I think uh then and this is what happens. So, because financial literacy, you the cost is right now, but the impact you see later on, it it's falls outside of that tunnel, um, and that's why parents land up, as I say, sitting on the sidelines because uh, because it's tunnel vision that we develop.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I completely concur. as you know grades are what everybody talks about. It's judgment. It's how you get into yeah. college, higher education, and But what I found really intriguing is, you know, the financial literacy is the cost of of now and the payoff is later. And I think that's always challenging for people is anything that doesn't provide
0: immediate gratification Uh, or immediate results is is something like okay we can we can look at it we can look at it later because I don't want to pay up the cost now and I'm not going to see that result as you know sort of today tomorrow next week Um, so that's you asked me to give you a couple of reasons so that I would say is one reason that uh, you know it's we we develop tunnel vision The, the second one is we play sort of what I call financial education football right so parents think that schools are doing it schools are thinking parents are doing it we, we it's, it's it, we're always sort of passing it around as so we're sort of you know and I, I think in in all of that very strategic passing uh the kids sort of fall by the wayside because no one's actually teaching about them because schools are very clearly saying well this is the parents app you know it's it's not our remit to teach them this is not part of the of the curriculum and um and somewhere in that, in all that passing, uh, you know, very good passing, Uh, the kids uh, don't and sort of the government says, well, yes, the schools need to do it. Schools say parents need to do it. It is, it's just, everyone's just passing the buck as far as that's concerned. That's the second reason. And I think the third reason would be really, I mentioned this before, we're, as parents, we're overloaded. We're out of mental bandwidth. There's a limit to how much we can do. You know, bringing up kids is one of the toughest things anybody can ever take on, you know, get getting them fed, making sure they're out of trouble, getting their, making sure they're doing their daily homework. That, that's a lot. I know I'm making sure they're, everything else is, sort of, is being handled in the house. And then you tell them it's up to you to teach your kids about money, specifically when they haven't been trained themselves. It's, it's a hard thing to do. Maybe it's an impossible thing to do as well if you think about it, and then you go down to the things what we spoke about earlier. Maybe parents aren't the best to do this because they haven't been trained. We have our own biases, and then there's a cognitive bias, a you know, cognitive proximity on top of that, where nobody listens to you because of uh, because of that. So, all of these reasons are are why. See, I had a lot of time to delve into this. So, yeah,
1: no, that that, that's fantastic, and and it made me think of you know during. the COVID shutdown is with the remote learning is uh, many parents discovered that they couldn't teach their kids and had a new appreciation for their teachers, uh, oh for their God. kids' teachers.
0: I, I think uh, during that one year, I put when my kids were homeschooling. I actually put them in a proper homeschool, not just online school. And I can say it tested our relationship because then I was the main head teacher I had to make sure that the homework was done on time or explain to them something that wasn't done. And and they tell me, "Mom, can you just uh, just think of us as your students? Because you're really nice to your students when you teach them." <laughs> but, so, <laughs> it's it's difficult to teach your own kids, and it puts a lot of pressure on uh, unnecessary pressure, I think, um, on parents when you tell them, "Well, this is you know something else that you need to add to your already overflowing plate." Um, so, yeah, I think that, in in my estimation, I think those are the three big reasons why we as parents, you know, sort of just. Sit on the sidelines and unwittingly while this while this is going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's all fantastic. Is you know I just want to take a moment uh, before we start to wrap up, you know, to ask you a little bit about KFI Global and the work that you're doing with KFI Global. Okay
0: um so well recently i know i don't know whether you heard about it but we recently won an international award for the best financial literacy oh, program for great. school kids it was the Meyer, and this isn't a, sort of a region wide. this was and you know it's uh, we competed with 150 high quality worldwide entries for this so we i was just really really thrilled some of as one of the highlights of the year for me uh actually getting this award because it 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 definitely means a lot it, you know as a um it means that what we are, what we're doing, is on the right track, because what we, what we got the award for, mainly as well, is our, is the technique that we use, uh, is our five step methodology, and also the fact that we, we engage in multi stakeholder partnerships to get this done so we we do this in schools but the schools don't actually pay for it we get financial institutions to sponsor these programs in schools and over a three-month period we ran this for over two thousand students in you know in 23 educational institutions across the UAE it was a really big campaign and this was and no the, the schools didn't pay a dime for it it was all sponsored by, uh, by the financial institution. But that being said, we were very, very clear that there was no product pushing at our end. We wouldn't say, okay, well, this is sponsored by them, go and get an account or get a credit card or buy this product. It, it was a very, very clear understanding that uh, they would just be sponsors, but they would not be involved in the delivery or the content uh, of the program. And I think that that is just, um, that's that's a great way to to look at it i think that that is a great way to to deliver the program because The students are getting it. They're really happy. The parents are super thrilled because their kids have now a world class program, which they didn't actually have to pay for. Um, The school gets a lot of brownie points for arranging this and and making sure they have access, you know, the kids have access to it. The banks, you know, uh, they get uh, they get recognition because it's a great CSR project, uh, especially with the way things are going now. Uh, Financial education is very much in the spotlight. Um, and for us, we get to do what we like. We get to scale our impact. So it's a, it's a win-win all around.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, that's fantastic. And, you know, and the other point I, th- I think that works well for schools is schools don't have the money for programs. Yes. You know, schools yes. are underfunded. And so being able to present them with a program that they don't have to find funding for that can be really scarce is yes. a fantastic idea. Yeah. So.
0: And they were also quite happy that we were very clear um, that we are not going to be, you know, sort of hard selling, soft selling anything to the kids at that point. It was purely our program that's normally delivered. We would be doing the exact same program. There would be no product pushing it at all because they schools would also understandably be wary of people coming and trying to a lot of financial institutions want to do this under the guise of financial education they're getting into mm-hmm. schools and you know telling them well you know and by the way we have this app or we have this credit card or we have which isn't which I don't think is uh is the best way to go about things so the schools were really happy that this was delivered by and you know by an outside party who was not at all involved in the bank's day-to-day operation so it, it worked well for everybody.
1: That's fantastic. Um, you know, I'm just curious. Um, I, I think you mentioned that you're thinking of expanding beyond the UAE.
0: Yes. So for now, we just um, because we do our online classes, we we do it. You know, if everyone is free to join, we're running one this weekend as well. Um, you know, and especially now that the UAE has sort of matched our weekend with the rest of the world, we're it's it's a little it's a lot easier to do this. So we run this over a weekend, and anybody in that time zone uh, can can uh, you know can can just register for it.
1: Fantastic. And for everybody that's tuned in is, um, I'll be posting a link to Marilyn's website um, and KFI Global's website. So you can be sure to check out the workshop. So Marilyn, as we wrap up, um, what is your number one tip on financial wellness?
0: I'd say just start early. Uh, you know, it's, it's later than you think, however old your kids are, it's later than you think, and you need to get them started early because the sooner you start, the easier it's going to be for them, uh, the more effective it's going to be. Uh, so yeah, those are, that's my parting advice. Just whatever you do uh, start something, but start it now.
1: That, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I shared that advice today. It's the best day to get started. You know, you can't change about the past, but you know, don't, don't put it off any longer. Um, so Marilyn, you know, just um, where is a good place to reach out to you? Is it the KFI Global web, uh, website? Is it LinkedIn? LinkedIn uh, would
0: be LinkedIn would be the best place to uh, to reach out to me. Uh, though you can reach to the website as well, but just I'm really active on LinkedIn, not so much on the other uh, social media uh, channels, but definitely on LinkedIn, uh, I'm, I'm really active, or uh, also the website as well. Uh, we we will, we will respond to any emails or inquiries we get from there.
1: Fantastic. Well, Marilyn, thanks again for uh, coming on the Tony Stewart podcast. I appreciate it.
0: Uh, I love talking to you, Tony, as always. And thank you for these insightful questions. It made me think a lot about uh, why I started this. It just brought, brought, brought back a lot of things.
1: Yeah, well, it's fantastic. I really appreciate you uh, sharing with us. And I hope that for everybody tuning in that, that you found this of interest. So please be sure to tune in and subscribe to the Tony Stewart podcast. Until next time.